Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Colin Drew. We are going from the heights of Colin Morikawa hitting maybe the greatest shot ever in the history of a major championship to uh, the Sedgefield Country Club, the uh, the Wyndham Championship. It's, uh, it's a little bit of a contrast here in our new PGA schedule. Yeah, definitely a bit of a letdown this week. Obviously, some of the top names taking the week off after the major and have the FedEx Cup playoffs coming. So um, I think it makes sense to, for a letdown, but for, for DFS, the prize pools are still juiced up. You know, golf is still growing, one of the most popular sports, so it should still be fun from a DFS and gambling perspective. Uh, I thought, I mean, couldn't ask for any more out of the year's first major than the PGA Championship delivered as far as the leaderboard, the kind of sweat down the back nine. Um, I felt like the course lacked a little bit, maybe, you know, felt a little bit bland I guess and obviously didn't play super difficult but the winning score kind of ended up where we thought it might um just the the course itself was a little bit nondescript for me uh which you know kind of in a way I actually would I kind of like that about the PGA championship like I I kind of just want them to play at like a different muni course across the United States every year like I don't like save whistling straights for the u.s open you know save save uh save augusta for the masters like just let let the pga championship be an advertisement for municipal golf courses yeah definitely obviously really impressive the way that morikawa played um coming down the back nine especially you know you talked about the the shot in 16 but he was pretty much nails the entire way and then i mean we're, we're already like two minutes into the podcast. We haven't even talked about the highlight of the week, which was definitely for me, Brooks Kepka, just like essentially uh, after his round on Saturday, roasting the entire leaderboard, talking about how many majors he has, how few majors they have, and then just getting absolutely dummied by Paul Casey on Sunday during a major. Well, he shoots a 74 and then basically after every shot he misses, he like is he like winces and like points at his knee so that the TV cameras understand like, you know, I'm an alpha, but it's just not my fault. You know, the knee just really gave out on me. Like he just he it's embarrassing, dude. Like I I think that if you are going to play that character, you have so much more pressure on yourself. Like and, and I think that we see this too with Bryson, by the way, where like Bryson should feel terrible for how bad he plays sometimes because he is just this larger than life uh annoyance on the golf course and like (laughs) when when bryson makes so bryson goes bogey bogey on eight and nine and then he gets to 10 which was one of the easiest holes on the pga tour all year it was like a an automatic birdie for anyone who had a good drive basically and he pars that like he should have like he should have been so embarrassed for that stretch right there because he, I actually probably think he would have won the golf tournament if even if he plays eight and nine at par and then he makes the birdie on 10, I actually think he, he beats, even knowing what happened with Morikawa, I still think he wins, but 
that was just embarrassing. Yeah, I, I felt bad for Paul Casey. I mean, <laughs> this dude is not going to get many chances at a major. And to be right. there on Sunday to shoot 66, going out in the same group as Kepka, and then just to get – I mean, he just got beat straight up. I think he even said it after the round. He was like, I played, you know, the best golf I really couldn't have played. And, like, I just got straight up beat. So, uh, you got to feel a little bit bad for Paul Casey, a guy who's had – some challenges closing stuff out in the past uh, and has played poorly on Sundays. And when he does finally show up with a really good Sunday round, it's just not quite enough to get it done. Um, for me, for fantasy, it was another frustrating week. Um, just the single entry life, uh, you know, GPP being so top heavy. I was up like 15 K before. And then DJ hit that T ball uh, out of bounds on 16 and chips in out of the rough for birdie and then birdies the 18th hole so that was a that was like a $7,500 swing in the wrong direction for me so it didn't even matter for the tournament by that point Morikawa was already basically carrying the trophy but uh for DFS it definitely mattered it definitely moved a lot of money around so uh, I don't know felt at least good being close the last two weeks but frustrating the way it has kind of unfolded uh yeah I mean it's just I I wasn't I wasn't even close with the uh the the min the min one um, Rory Bryson Justin Thomas rule not not going to work out particularly well when those guys are you know nowhere near the leaderboard on yeah on I think Sunday. Bryson you know Bryson definitely did enough in certain tournament formats and certain sites I think he was in the optimal lineup on FanDuel like you know a, a T four is obviously great and he typically just he makes so many birdies so um, he certainly outscores some of the guys that finished you know, right next to him. So I don't think it was for fantasy. It wasn't too bad, but you know, DraftKings, the pricing structure is way different. And so a lot of times you need like the stone nuts and uh, I don't think he was in the stone nuts this week. Yeah. So the, uh, the Wyndham championship at the, at the Sedgefield country club, let's, uh, let's get into it. Yeah. I mean, I, the course is a par 70, 7,100 yards. So it's a lot shorter than, it was last week, and then the weather is going to be a lot warmer than it was in San Francisco. So even though it's only 300 yards different on paper, it just plays a lot shorter. And I think we've seen that show up in the course fit data. Definitely has over-indexed in terms of driving accuracy, big time under in terms of driving distance as far as the relative importance compared to other golf courses. So, I mean, it's a course where you're going to have to shoot 20 under to win. Short knockers are definitely in play. You're going to have to get really hot with the putter. And then, I mean... Webb Simpson, right? He, he named his daughter Wyndham. We got to he named check his that daughter Wyndham. I mean, if, if you want to go, card. if you want to go down Narrative Street, I I truly in all of sports, it's got to, it has to be just the the best and most. It's got to be the best narrative ever. He's probably got a dog named Sedgefield too. Oh, I mean, I hope he does. That would actually that would actually make it. That would actually make it. Perfect. And uh, I mean, you know, it's just set up for it's set up for me to get absolutely owned when Webb is not only not only does he project super well, you know, he's the highest projected golfer by uh, by never. He is the highest projected golfer by eight points uh, in in the Daily Road Optimizer right now. So it's just it's setting up for a great week for me as someone who doesn't really like to play Webb that much. Yeah, it, it definitely. I mean, I think you're saved a little bit because there aren't too many of your boys in the field this week. It's definitely a watered-down field. Um, you know, Webb Simpson does have the strongest course history here. I think 
you know, in the past decade, he's basically had one finish where it wouldn't have been good enough from a DFS perspective. And the rest of them have been truly elite, including, you know, top fives, wins, and, and everything in between. Some of the other guys that have done really well here, like top 25 course history players, Jim Furyk, Kevin Na, Sergio Garcia, Rory Sabatini, Ryan Armour, Brant Snedeker. So part of that is the field is always weak. Uh, but part of that just is those guys, you know, aren't always going to be competitive on longer courses. And this definitely is not that. So uh, hit the greens and get hop of the putter. This is like, this is one of the biggest um, wedge courses of all time. Like if you are like, I, I actually, I don't know if Rory's ever played this event, but I can just imagine rostering him and just watching him post seventies all day because he can't get his wedges into the right spots on the green. Like it just, you really have to hit your, your approach shots so strong here. Yeah, exactly. And like around the green doesn't even show up as mattering very much. I think last year it like drove just like 8% of the deviation in scoring. And that's just, that's across the entire field. When you look at the top end, like there are guys like Hovland up there losing strokes around the green, but like it's an easy course, right? So these guys are going to hit so many greens uh, that it really doesn't matter how good you are around the green but you're going to have to putt well. I, that happens most weeks on tour. Like even Morikawa played really well last week, but he, I think he led the field in strokes and putting. If not, he was up there inside like the top five, but um, you're going to need that most weeks, but even more so this week, just because the winning score is going to be like 20 under. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely is. Yeah. Uh, I think that's another one of the things that guys end up going uh, super, super low at uh, super low at this event. So Let's get into it. DK by price range. Right now, I, I have to say, I think this is the highest roster projection I've ever seen. Uh, Web on about 30% of rosters. Like, I, I can you play a 30% owned golfer in MME? Like, can you? Yeah, I mean, you definitely can. I think I locked a 30% on DJ at RBC Canadian one year. Um, if there's just a big gap in talent, then I think it's fine. I'm not... And I guess the the projections would suggest maybe the talent gap is that big this week. Um, so I do think that you can play a 30% owned golfer. And part of that is just trying to decide how much you're really sacrificing in value. And I, I think like, are you really losing a lot by going from like a $8,400 Ches Revy down to like a, a Chris Kirk or something like that? So if there isn't a lot in the mid tier that you're interested in, then I think that's where you definitely can build like with the expensive guys. Um, and I think that's why you're seeing web this week in MME. I don't think it gets any higher than that just because of the nature of the tournaments. We really don't see top end guys 11 K plus go off of that mark very often uh, in single entry three max. though, I definitely could see that number holding and possibly even clipping like 35, maybe even 40% in some higher stakes stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it like the, the more condensed it gets like in 20 max, three max single entry, I think the higher you will see him go. I like, like, for example, Webb in the Thunderdome this week, I would expect him to be over 50%. I think just cause yeah. he's the best play. Like yeah. no one's playing Brooks uh, would, would not surprise me to see Brooks under 10% in some single entry in three max uh people will play reed people will play fleetwood uh people will play less paul casey uh but yeah i mean in terms of even like guys that people really like to play like name brand golfers really popular dfs golfers there is no one from nine to to eleven thousand like it's just web yeah i mean there's definitely warts on 
most of these guys. If we wanted to to nitpick Webb, I mean, he's not coming in with the best form. Um, as as far like, obviously, it kind of feels crazy to say that because he has won one of the events since the restart. But the la- the past couple events, like he hasn't been gaining strokes off the tee at all. He lost strokes on approach at the PGA Championship. He's kind of been making it up around the green and with his um, putter. But I think that's one of the things about Webb is his game is so balanced that it doesn't really always matter if like everything's not clicking because he's able to kind of piece it all together. Um, but I, I mean, if it's like 30% web, 10% Brooks, obviously there's a lot of questions with Brooks, I guess like the wincing of the knee, but if he's playing this week, you can't really think about that. There's like the motivation levels for, you know, Brooks at non elite field events. And then there's like course fit. If it's just this, the accuracy second shot course, that's definitely not where Brooks thrives either. Um, so I even, why, why is he playing this week? I, I assume it's just, you know, FedEx Cup playoff points. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess at this point, he's having such a lackluster year that he uh, he kind of needs them. So, I mean, if we, if we want to talk about motivation, there is uh, there's a lot of motivation for Brooks to, you know, try and get back to Eastlake and uh, get dominated by Rory McIlroy again, for sure. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know the exact... Um like Brooks is like right outside the top 90 right now. So I don't know the exact threshold where like it's like the top 70 get into the BMW championship and right away. Yeah. I don't think he necessarily has to win, but like a, a good, I mean, he's definitely here to try to get FedEx cup points. Yeah. So uh, who do you like between the, the fraud Englishmen more? Do we like Fleetwood Casey or Rose the most of, uh, of the English fellas? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a tough range. If you are going to bypass Webb, I think part of the reason you're doing that is you're going to anchor on like a balanced team with one of these guys. I think for the most part, you're not going to start a lineup with like Harris English as your best golfer. So you're probably going to buy one of these guys. I mean, Casey has obviously been really strong with the ball striking the entire time since the restart, but we had seen like the downside of Paul Casey in every event before that with like the inability to click with the short game, the inability to make putts when it mattered. And when you think about a course where Casey's coming off his basically best performance in terms of short game and putting, and now he's going to have to do even better to get to 20 under, then there are definitely red flags there. Fleetwood, he's only played three events and he has, I guess, like shown signs of connecting it all. Uh, just hasn't really pieced it all together. I guess I prefer Fleetwood slightly over Casey just because it feels like he's more capable of winning the event. Um, and then Rose, you're getting the the price discount. Rose has kind of been another guy that's all over the map a little bit, obviously a class golfer from a long-term perspective. So uh, I don't, I don't have a really strong conviction play out of those guys this week. Um, I guess Fleetwood and Rose would be slight preferences for me if I was like building out a single entry team. Yeah, I guess I will probably kind of just let the the projections do their thing. I might I might this week just run a super tight uh like ownership cap, like run it at like 70% or something like that just to just to avoid some of these. Like like I think a very common start is going to be um Webb, one of the one of the 9k guys, you know, Horschel uh brian Harmon and you know people are people are definitely going to be playing Furyk a lot like i i think that's just going to be like a a super common start yeah this this 9k range well i guess we can bring it down to like 8900 with brendan todd but i posted this in slack this range has just been on like one of the biggest putting heaters of of all time 
Yeah. Harris English. I mean, Harris English has been solid with ball striking, like slightly above average. So I'm not trying to dismiss him, but he's just been absolutely roasting it on the greens, uh, like essentially averaging a stroke game putting per round over the, since like the restart. Billy Horschel has been doing even better than Harris English. And then Brendan Todd, essentially the same thing, both at the PGA Championship and WGC, St. Jude had, um, had averaged more than a stroke and a half putting per round. So these guys have been absolutely lights out. And it, like, you know it's a sunrun putting range when Spieth is in there, and he's been like the worst putter of the group. Are you, uh, you going to be running it back with Jordan this week? Well, was he in your player pool last week? Uh, he was in my player pool last week. Um, it wasn't like a big stance, but yeah, he was in the player pool. And um, I, I believe he ended up going off in the better weather conditions last week. I can just double check that really quickly. And that oh was yeah, how did how did uh, how did the the weight like focusing on that wave split end up um, impacting things? Because I I chose to not be like I like I didn't go all in on the wave split or anything like that and I'm wondering if that ended up being a mistake or not yeah I do I do think it ended up being a slight mistake um yeah and and just overall like my player pool was pretty good I didn't go all in on it but I did adjust the projections so um so that those guys received like a, a heavier weight so like someone like Hideki who was in the wrong wave but still a really good value I ended up with still a, a good amount of exposure to, but guys who were kind of fringe values ended up getting nuked out. And then guys like Spieth who were maybe fringe negative, I was still higher than him on data golf ended up getting like in the, the pool a bit. So I think it worked out fine, but I, I do think that um, I don't think like Bryson was in the good wave and obviously he ended up having like an elite event. And so there were a couple of guys that still made it out of there just fine. It wasn't like a open championship type experience. Yeah, I um, you know, I haven't uh played Jordan Spieth in I mean, I would guess like 3 or 4 years, but if I if I was going to play him, this would be an event where I would do it because uh I like I like Spieth a lot at 10% more than I like Harris English at 22%. Uh I'm I'm definitely a noted non-fan of Brendan Todd. I I actually think Sungjae is such an interesting play here because like long-term form he should be one of the 10k guys but like he he still has not really strung together for you know a plus rounds it's been yeah Sanjay's been pretty bad since the restart and um I think the fact that it it seems like like English Horschel Todd have been even though like especially like Todd and Horschel are, are good putters it seems like they've still been running like a little bit unsustainably hot um I've got speed 15 spots ahead of where data golf has him just in my like run um of initial things regressing some of it to Vegas so I've got him kind of right in like the Kevin Kisner Chesrivi Sergio Garcia type range so still like a smidge overpriced but definitely a player pool guy at that point yeah I I mean I I think that's I think that's reasonable I I I can definitely see myself just talking myself into like a massive stance on him this week because, you know, Lowry, not a dude I like. Siwoo Kim, not a dude I particularly like. Kisner, Snedeker. I mean, just like this range is full. I guess you kind of have to adjust your expectations for these guys based on strength of field. Uh, I, I also can see a scenario where Sergio, like Sergio at 8,500, 
what what do they want me to do? What what do they want me to do when they price him down here? Like I would have played him at eighty five hundred last week. So so what am I going to do with him this week at eighty five hundred? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel and the way DFS golf has been working out basically is you find like the guy who's the best value that probably could go off for like thirty percent ownership in certain formats, and that'll be the guy that ends up winning the tournament. So I think Ryan Moore, Sergio Garcia are those types of plays this week. Like we saw with Morikawa, like we saw with Webb earlier in the year. It's just, it's like the way things are happening. It's always the, not a bad play by any means in terms of projection, but these guys are smashing ceilings. And I think Ryan Moore, Sergio Garcia, two of the best values in this range, two guys who have been good with ball striking all around. Um, and I, I think they're a bit underpriced this week. And so, you know, his ceiling performance wouldn't be, wouldn't be totally out of question. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, I guess that is probably the right way to think about things. Bumming me out to see this uh, roster projection on Ryan Moore. I would, I would really like him at, you know, nine, 10%, uh, 17 to 20% though. Seems, seems uh, thin for sure. Yeah. So um, I think some of the other plays that will be interesting in the range. I mean, if, if you had to choose between Ryan Moore at uh, 17%, Neiman at like 15%, or Corey Connors at like 9%, do you have a preference between those three guys? Because I think that's the type of decision you're going to be making this week. Connors. Connors is so good strokes gained approach. You know, I mean, I, for real, like one, just one of the best players overall on tour like no no caveats other than that that i think he is one of the guys who even with a a neutral strokes gained putting week could could throw up a minus 20 here pretty simply yeah yeah and i think you know the kind of macro thing you talked about putting a cap as far as the total roster percent on your lineups at like 60 or 70 and it it seems like the guys who are like 8K and above, or even if Neiman, if you want to include him at 7,900, are all going to be rostered like 15, 20%. The guys that I'm starting to, you know, go into the week liking. And so it doesn't feel like there's a ton of great pivots there. Like I'm not, you know, I guess pivoting to Ches Reeve, if he stays at 5%, that would be a great pivot to me, but I'm not super enthused about pivoting to like Shane Lowry. Um, and so I guess what I would do in this type of scenario is, just kind of play the guys that I want up here. And then I'd look for, you know, sub 5% roster guys at like the $7,500 and below range. So um, that should still put a path where you obviously are going to need a, a top 20 out of the, those guys at that point. But um, at least then you're, you've got some differentiation on those lineups and uh, you're just able to kind of get overweight on like, you know, eight or 10 of those guys versus whoever the like flavor of the week ends up being um, in the value section. My my guess is that the flavor of the week this week ends up being Christian uh, Basenhout, Basenhout, but we'll we'll call him we'll call him the Bays. Uh, my well, right now we have a very low roster projection on him. My guess is that he is one of those guys who just picks up a bunch of steam. Gotcha. I I was I'm kind of most curious about Jim Furyk uh, just because with like the way our projections are set up that would fit really naturally. You mean, you mean Jim Locke Furick? <laughs> it's the, I mean, it's the Furick course, right? I mean, I, I, he will, he will likely be my most exposed golfer this week and I, I will be betting him to win as well. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to do that, you're going to, you're going to have to get off some of the guys above, like you're going to have to full fade web or something because 
if you talk about the guys that you liked that are like 8,500 and up, most of those guys were like 15, 20%. And then you, you add web yeah, to that mix. Just, I'm just going to have to play guys I don't like. Like I'm yeah. going to have to play Spieth. Uh, I will probably have to play Paul Casey. I will probably have to play Shane Lowry. Like it's just, you just got to do it. Yeah. Or 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 just have terrible duped lineups and and just be terrible like I like I don't want that. And that's you know you're you're talking about max entering like the quarter arcade or one of the dollar type tournaments with you know thirty thousand people in the field. Obviously, if you're just building a single entry, you don't have to get that crazy. Definitely don't have to get to like sixty seventy percent cap. Uh, a cap of like one hundred five is still pretty adequate in like a three max single entry somewhere in that ninety to one hundred five range. I think is a pretty good balance. Where this, you know, this actually might be a better week. I haven't entered contests or anything. It might be better to just do like there's like a just to put like five teams in the dog leg or something instead instead of max entering the lower dollar stuff. Just because it it's going to be harder to uh to hit the nuts with all with you know some of these just very good plays being like extra extra chalky yeah um yeah i mean i think the i guess the opposite argument would be that if you're gonna mme then uh, you're able to get exposure to a bunch of guys you don't have to pick one of like matthias schwab lucas glover rory sabatini bud collie brian Harmon. like you don't have to choose like one of those guys you're able just to take like a, a portfolio approach knowing that that's the range where you're trying to differentiate um so i guess that would be the the argument for the mme life yeah all right let's get to some of these punts we got norlander we got glover uh glover i think again just gonna be you know super mega popular i think Harmon super super popular uh especially amongst people who are using the data golf projection some of the guys i like down here to get uh to get off the the mega chalk builds uh vegas of course mcputz mcputz by the way we need to let it be known mcputz made eagle on the course on the hole that morikawa made eagle i think it was 16 where he was able to he was able to get it there so denny mccarthy and colin morikawa made the same number on sunday on that hole it needs to be known to the people <laughs> Denny McCarthy, I mean, especially since the course ended up being a bit of a bomber's course, is surprised to see him making the cut. Obviously, nothing spectacular as far as the the end finish. I, I think he made like three eagles over the course of the tournament, though, so he was putting up some decent DK points. Yeah, uh, what uh, what punts do you what punts do you like? Where where are we going here? Yeah, um, I, I think one of the things with the punts, it's you know, for me, I think trying to with those guys especially leaning more on short-term form so even if i use like our our default stuff for the overall projections um for like the, the casey justin rose types i'm definitely fine to lean a little bit more on some of the short-term form i think that and then i think course fit kind of um also plays into that a little bit just because like a guy like ryan armor i think has done really well at some of the events since the restart like rbc heritage the travelers um and then has it done well at some of the, the other events that weren't set up quite as well for like the shorter guys. And so I think he's definitely a guy that I think is a pretty reasonable play. And that is, I guess, the type of approach I'm trying to think about for some of the punk guys this week. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's probably the, a, a decent way 
to think about things. Uh, I guess one strategy thing is because this is not a difficult golf course, this is a Detroit golf club level of, of difficulty. I think you, you got to up the Rand factor with like guys who can win, like Andrew Landry can just come in and, and win this event. You know, Sebastian Munoz can win this event. This is not a, uh, this is not a situation where like uh, one of like 20 guys is going to win, you know, jo- Joseph Bramlett has uh winning this event and his range of outcomes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And if you, if you're going to that, I think it, it sure for sure feels like a week where um, you can get a sweat out of like guys that are 151 or longer this week. And maybe you can't get that every week. Um, I guess some of the other, the other guys, Sometimes these guys end up being more showdown plays, but um, I think this week, you know, Adam Shank uh, has been playing really well tee to green since the restart through five events, um, especially with the ball striking, gaining over half a stroke per round. He's 6,700. I think he's fine. as like the last man in on a roster. Um, and I guess like Chase Seifert down at 6,400 would be a guy I would consider more in MME. Uh, Bryce Garnett is right there next to Shank, almost the exact same profile since the restart in terms of number of events and the ball striking, just not quite gaining as many strokes putting. Those are more plays that I would look for in like, yeah, I guess 20 max, 150 max and a guy on kind of like the last man in on a single entry. All right. Uh, let's get to, uh, let's get to the betting markets. Fascinating stuff this week because in in the FanDuel betting markets, they have Webb at 10 to 1, which means that he's eating up about 9.5% of the available win equity. Now, you know, that's not that's not taking into account the the massive hold that exists in outright markets, but he is uh so he's 10 to 1. And Data Golf, by the way, doesn't think that's like the worst number in the world. Like Data Golf thinks that that betting him at ten to one at this event is basically a, is basically a break even bet over the yeah. long term. Um, and then we have uh, we have Reed at seventeen. I I have very rarely seen the top of the board feature this many plus EV bets. Just looking at Data Golf stuff, but they have Horschel, Sungjae, um, Ryan Moore. Corey Connors and Furyk, so that is uh, five of the top fifteen guys, all as plus EV bets this week. Yeah, yeah, I think um, of those, I think Horschel's probably the guy I have like the most, I guess, concerns about just because hasn't been, it doesn't feel like it's sustainable, um, and like the level that he's getting strokes putting at, even though he is like a top ten guy in this field, so. He'd probably be the one I would like Nick's or not make as large of a wager on. Um, and I guess like Brian Moore at 41, Jim Furyk at 71 were two of the guys that were in that kind of mid tier that jumped out to me. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you bet your boy Shank? I feel like you, you're always betting Shank. He's 150 so, to one. He's bets, hitting the ball pretty well. Bets I'm making this week. In fact, I'm just going to go do it right now because sometimes I forget until Wednesday and then I end up betting the closing number like a dumb fish. So, the bets I'm making for sure, Furick, Horschel, uh, Hoagie, and the freaking Hoagie. Ho- I'm, I'm such a fish. Hoagie was, 200, <laughs> Hoagie was 250 to 1 this morning. Uh, I just did the FanDuel hurry up with Greg Sussman, and Hoagie is 220 to 1 now. Moving lines, Davis. And I, I, literally think, I literally think, by the way, the retail sports books, I think if they get hit with literally a bet, of guys deeper than 200 to one, they move it like straight up. Like I, I think that's kind of their model. So 
I don't know if a ten dollar bet's moving things, but uh, maybe if someone puts like a a thousand bucks on them or whatever, they're moving at that level. Um, Well, because it's just the price discovery model, and we're sitting here doing it on Monday morning. I don't know, but then again, they also say that they don't move lines based on action, which. Again, I'm not sure if that's true or not either. <laughs> it's also Tuesday morning, but uh, but that's all right. You know, oh, it is we're, Tuesday, huh? We're trying to get some action regardless. Uh, two of the other deeper guys that I would consider that have had kind of ups and downs um, since the restart, but have been kind of in contention at various points in time. Uh, Brian Stewart, Tyler Duncan, I guess would be the last long shot guys I put on the card. Uh, yeah, I like I like T-Dunks. Maybe, maybe I'm just going to take my normal bets this week and just uh just out well i'm obviously betting Furic because this is basically a champions tour event and uh Furic is a Furic is undefeated on the champions tour uh so i, I think Furic, i think ryan moore uh if you are if you're wanting to make serious bets and billy horschel those would be those would be the more serious bets that i would make i think yeah so our millie team last week we bubbled the money line we had built this team. It came together. All right. You know, we, we got six of six guys through the cut. We had Bryson DeChambeau, T4, put up 96 DK points. Victor Hovland, I guess a disappointment um, as one of the guys on a roster, finished 33rd. Hideki Matsuyama finished 22nd. Adam Scott finished 22nd. He was kind of there, um, at least not in contention, but there on Sunday, as far as guys that could have ended up inside that like log jam and, you know, top five top 10 type thing tommy fleetwood was another guy shot 73 on sunday ended up finishing 29th but he was there as well and then we had harris english finished 19th this lineup actually did pretty good all things considered everybody inside of the top 35 we still didn't make any money last week because it was pretty chalky at the top end but i felt like this was an okay i mean it was it was it was one of the chalkiest weeks i can ever remember where like I, there was, I remember I went and did the math and there was a point where that entire T1 and T2 group, uh, depending on, you know, the, the exact time was like, you could have fit that in within DraftKings salary. Like you, you could have had a lineup where literally everyone in your lineup was T1. Yeah. I mean, we obviously, I mean, we didn't even talk about it, uh, but Scheffler was just an absolute smash play and the projections last week and he had been that for you know probably the last four or five events he'd played and he had only really delivered in one of them. He had had really painful results in some of the others, but as soon as he got like, he was like the first or second tee time on Thursday. And with like the way that the wind was shaking out, it just became a spot where you could really, really trust that um, you could potentially win. If you had an upside round, you could potentially win on the weather, even if you just made the cut and there was some carnage. So Scheffler ended up being a really, really good play. He was only 7% owned. But um, I don't think there's a million maker this week, which is a little bit disappointing for, for the Wyndham. Poor Webb Simpson, no million maker in his honor. Rest but. in peace. The return of basketball and hockey and football and, and everything. And we, we no longer have a million maker every week but, for golf. But we, we can build a team for this uh, $1.75 million playoff preview, 500K to first. And... I'm going to lock in Lucas Glover just because I I've always considered Glover a bit of a poor man's Webb Simpson, um, a guy that's really balanced, a guy that pops in our projections a good bit. And I think Glover is a nice play this week. Um, so we are, we are obviously avoiding Webb Simpson in this lineup because we, uh, we want it. We want well, to get we're, rich. 
we're, we're both building this. So if, if you want to avoid web, you're going to have to construct the lineup in a way that makes it difficult for me to fit. Okay. In. Well, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking fleets as my, as my pinata pick. Your pinata pick. So uh, that's got us uh, with 8k left on the board. I think it's a pretty nice number to build with because there are guys, um, you know, we probably only need to punt like one spot if we, and we could still get like three or four other good golfers because we didn't go with web and we went with Fleetwood instead. Um, and I am going to click in, I'm going to click in Rory Sabatini at 7,500. Okay. Uh, I'm going to play, I'm going to go with, uh, Jim Furyk. Well, so Sabatini, Furyk, we've got 87.50 total salary cap left. Uh, two reasonable guys. You know, I think the projections would tell us to put Sungjae Im in there. Um, I'm personally not quite going to get there, uh, but I think I'm going to go with Brendan Todd. A little bit of a chasing on the strokes game putting here, but an accuracy course where you need to putt really well to go low. A guy that has played really well the last two weeks obviously a lot of that carried by the putter but hopefully he can keep that up and that leaves us with eighty six hundred dollars left for the final guy on the roster okay eighty six hundred um this is uh this is a a little bit of a tighter range there's not anyone i love here uh who do you like here yeah so i mean i think the the two choices um well i, I give you three options here i think Sergio Garcia is probably the, the best play. See, I mean, he's the best play, but we're Chez already Reby, a little chalky here. Chez Reedy is probably the best leverage. He's like 5% projected right now. Even if that creeps up, it's still going to be a lot lower than the other guys. Or you could go with Ryan Moore, who I think might even rate ahead of Sergio in the projections. And at that point, we'd be leaving 500 on the table. So individually, it would be a fairly popular roster, but it's definitely not going to be duped with 500 on the table. Okay. Yeah. Let's, um, I, I want Chess. That that's who I want. I, I, his old man game should be solid here and, and Sergio a little bit too chalky. Cool. So there we go. We're booked. I felt like we, we had a good lineup last week. I think this one's all right. I think we do have pivots. Sabatini, I don't think is going to be mega owned. I don't think Chess will be either. And then we're not playing web. So I think those three things, this is, uh, I think it's as good of a lineup as any for this type of contest format. All right. I, before we get out of here, one, I, I do, I just want to have this conversation. If, if I, I mean, I just, I'm going to be lazy and end up MMEing instead of hand building teams because hand building teams sounds terrible. Do you think <laughs> from a game theory perspective, it is better to lock or to exclude Webb Simpson in, in 150? Um, I think it is if those are the only two options, I think it's better to lock him than exclude him. I mean, we, we live in a black and white world, a world of duality. <laughs> those are the only, those are the only two choices. So, so, and Webb, you're obviously going to need a really strong finish from if the other guy, the other expensive guys perform well too, but there is definitely a scenario where Webb ends up finishing like 10th or 15th. And it's just kind of value guys um, that win the event and top five of the event. And, if you get like a one percent guy who wins or top fives at different you, said you might not need the ceiling game from Webb. We've got Webb fifty six percent to T twenty. With that, his leverage score is still pretty solid compared to the other guys that are priced right around him, and that includes a thirty percent ownership projection, which I think is probably where it lands in MME. 
Um, and some of the single entry stuff where it gets higher than that, I think a fade is a little bit more viable, but there's still plenty of ways for you to create plus EV web teams, in my opinion. So I would probably lock him versus exclude. All right, there we go. Something for something for us to ponder over the next few days. Everyone, thanks for listening. I hope we return next week talking about a, a dramatic Tom Hoagie victory as he uh, as he chips in for birdie on the off the green on eighteen. See you guys soon. Build digital first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital Three Hundred and Sixty. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.